good response. My name is McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff in the session here at First Pres. And we are so glad to have you here with us this morning, here in the room, those of you online. When I was in college, I had a pastor who always talked about the importance of putting yourself in the way of truth and grace. His encouragement was, during the week, whether you're spending time in prayer or reading your Bible, whether you're hanging out with a friend at Kawa on a Friday morning or you're meeting with your life group, and then on Sunday, coming together with your people. Look around. These are your people. Whether you're new or you're old, these are your people. And it's a way of putting yourself in the way of truth and grace. Because that's what God does every time we show up in front of him. He pours in his loving grace to us, and he gives us his truth. And it changes our lives. So you came in here this morning just thinking it was just a regular old thing. Nope, it's life change when you come into this room. If you're new, we want to know you and meet you. And the best way to do that is by filling out our Connect card. You can scan the QR code. You can go to our website. Uh, I would really encourage you to do that. It's quick and it's easy, um, and one of our pastors will reach back out to you and just introduce themselves to you. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you so much um, for getting us here this morning so that we could be in the way of truth and grace, so that you could transform our heart, so that we could truly find life in you. God, we have people on our hearts and our minds God, just in a moment of silence for each one of us, we're going to lift those up to you silently in our hearts, the people who we know who need you. And God, in the own um, family here at First Pres, we lift up to you our friend Vance Tankersley, still in the hospital recovering from a heart attack. Lord, for Mary and Morgan and Carrie, Jesus, would you just wrap your arms around them as they make their way through this journey? And would you wrap your arms around Vance and continue to move him forward in healing? God, for our sister, Jackie Faircloth, Lord, we just pray, um, Lord, that you would continue to just be so near to her, that Jesus, in the midst of all that she struggles with, that she would know the truth of who you are and that she's your daughter, Lord. And then finally, God, our hearts are just overwhelmed by what's going on in our world. For the people in Ukraine, God, for the men and women entering in uh, in a mighty way, um, in, a, in a dangerous way, in a courageous way, God, we just pray. Um, that's the only thing we can do, Lord, is just pray for these people, pray for this just horrible situation going on, um, and just trust in you. God, we give you this this next hour, we give you our hearts. We lean all the way in to your truth and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, First Pres, let's stand together now and get ready to pray the living water. Here we go. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Woo! 
happening right this very evening at 5.30, and that is we're going to have a Dream Team All-In event. We have one team making one dream happen. If you don't have, the dream doesn't work if the team doesn't work, huh? How about that? So what we're trying to do is create the, the volunteer base to have another worship service, a second one. Notice that there's elbow room only in here right now. We know that you want us to make room for their friend, your friends. And so we're thinking at about the end of this month, sometime very soon, we'll go from one to two. It's going to take a doubling of our volunteers, parking cars, saying hello, helping you find a seat, taking care of children, playing in a band, all those kinds of things. And so Dream Team tonight, all in. Come down at 530. It'll, I promise you it'll be like a, a, a all together and then a workshop so you can look at the various jobs and figure out which one you want to think about doing. Got that? Tonight, 530, right here, Dream Team. Go online. You'll find it. Get involved is the name of the place on the website. Drop down to Dream Team and make sure that we know you're coming. Even if you don't do that, come anyway. That's the first thing. The second thing is, this is sort of like a milestone update on what's happening with this huge, phenomenal, generous project that's happening, which is us moving and building and rehabbing. What's happening is this coming Thursday night is a hearing with the city of Tampa. It's routine business. There are a couple of uh, variances that we're asking the city council to approve, and we sent you an email asking you to do two things, if you would. Take the email and send it to the 
the directions, follow the directions, individualize it. A husband and wife do it, two different ones. And the second thing we ask you to do if you're available is to sign up to be present with the GoToMeeting platform. It's not Zoom, it's GoToMeeting. So that just means you have to register to do that. And what we don't think there's any problem with the variances, but it will really say a, a lot of great things that we're excited about being a positive agent for love and change in the community when they see you show up on Thursday night virtually, they're going to appreciate it. So if you didn't get that email from me, and we found out that a few people didn't, if the link wasn't there, then text me, and I'll text Tony, and he'll make sure you have it. We good? All in tonight, dream team, one team, one dream. We can't do, make the dream work without the teamwork. And then Thursday night, we're going to get a hearing done. What do you say, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Online people, online people, we love you. You too, you do all of this. Kathy. I feel like I'm supposed to do a dance now or something. <laughs> Y'all, Fitz and I cannot wait to have you in our home for dinner, for just a relaxed and formal evening for those of you that are interested in joining the church or learning more about the church. It's super informal, as I said. The next one will be on Wednesday night, March 16th at 6 p.m. We have some folks that have already said they want to join us, and if you want to be a part of that evening, just let me know. We can't wait to have you around our dinner table. We're also excited today to introduce some new members. We want to welcome them into our church, and I'm going to invite them forward. I'm going to ask Nikki Minningham to come forward, and also Trevor and Elizabeth Alley, if they would also come forward. And as they do, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. There's Nikki. So, Nikki, come on over here if you're willing to come up here. I don't know if this <laughs> feels too crazy. Um, Nikki is a pediatric nutrition specialist with Abbott, uh, the Abbott Company, or Abbott Nutrition. And it's really cool what she does. And she's married to Alex. They have two kiddos, Maxwell, who's four, and Olivia, who's one. And Nikki's already engaged and involved in a life group that she absolutely loves. So we're so excited about you joining. And then over this way, we have Trevor and Elizabeth Alley, and Elizabeth and I have known each other since she was in middle school, and we became pals. We hung out quite a bit together, and um, that journey led us to the privilege of me having the opportunity to marry Trevor and Elizabeth, and of course, they now have little Lillian Marie, who we get to baptize today, and um, Elizabeth used to be in wealth management. Now she's in baby management full-time. <laughs> And we have um, Trevor is um, a commercial real estate appraiser with Colliers. But we're just so excited about y'all joining as well. So let me ask you a question. And that is, you've come to us as members of the body of Christ, loving and knowing Jesus. And now you want to be a part of this community of faith at First Pres. Will you, together with all of us, pursue your relationship with Jesus? And so that we can pray together, worship together, be in community with each other, and serve him in the world, in Tampa, um, in the name of Jesus. If so, say we will with God's help. We will with God's help. And we want you to know that all of us are also making a promise to you that we are going to pray for you, support your growth in your faith in Jesus, and uh, we're going to welcome you and care for you in all the ways that you and your families need it the most. It's our honor and privilege. Thank you. So let's applaud God for what he's done to give us that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay.
Thank you, Nikki. All right. I don't know how she got it. That's crazy. She's that good with kids, pediatric nutrition. I'm telling you. Um, we are just going to have more fun because we get to baptize Lily and Marie. So we will let you carefully step down. <laughs> and I have the privilege, if you'll come on up, I'm, I have the privilege of introducing their family. Um, we have with us all kinds of grandparents. We've got Susan and Glenn Coker and Jackie and Don uh, Allie. We have great grandparents, Sally and John Dargle, as well as aunts and uncles, Kelly and Austin Phillips, and Troy Alley, and then their godmother, her godmother, is uh, Brooke Sourbeer, and we want you to come up, Brooke. One of the ways of thinking about baptism is to think about it as a covenant, an agreement. It's a way of saying, I promise, and you promise, and what ends up happening is something good. So here's the covenant. God promises to love us, to make us over again into new people, to transform us. And we're promising back to cooperate and surrender and love God in return. That's the covenant that baptism represents. She's not making it for herself. Her mom and dad are making it. But all of us are participants. <laughs> She's excited about it. She really loved the word covenant, I can tell. Yeah. All of us are in a... We're in a covenant agreement as a family to love each other and love God. The kid's stealing the show. I, nobody's listening to me. I'm just going to talk. Hey, if you're all in, you're going to get a chance to say so in just a minute. <laughs> you're up. Yeah. Trevor and, and, and Allie. Isn't it? Trevor and Elizabeth, as you bring sweet little Lillian Marie for baptism, do you confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. We do. And will you promise... To, to teach Lillian about Jesus, to pray for her, to pray with her, read scripture to her, and help her continue to vocalize her joy in the <laughs> Lord? Will you do that with God's help? If so, say we will. We will. Okay. All of you are like godparents along with Brooke, and I love that because as the community of faith, we get to come around this family with our prayers, with our support, and with our love to undertake with them the Christian nurture of Lillian so that one day Lillian will be able to say on her own that Jesus is her Lord and Savior. Will you do this with God's help and with God's joy? If so, say we will. We will. Okay. Sweet little thing. Come here. Hi. Here we go. That's Lillian Marie Alley, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look what God has done, my friends. She's not so sure about it. But you know what? We are, aren't we? And this is something the Lord has done, and now you and I get the privilege of loving her and throwing her stuff around and having a lot of fun. She is something else. But all of God's people who are excited about this little girl say amen.
all have been praying so faithfully for the last two years that God would provide an interim location for Matthew 25, our outreach to those who are hungry and homeless. Well, God has answered our prayers, and he has given us two interim locations, not just one, so that we can love and serve and care for our friends. One is in downtown Tampa on the sidewalk where our church was previously located. The second one is in Ybor City in partnership with Tampa Hope. We need you. Would you come and serve on a Saturday morning a breakfast with the hospitality of Jesus by signing up for one of these locations? A few weeks ago, when I was on the street with the Michelini family and some others in the downtown location, a woman came up to me named Diane, and she grabbed me by the arm, and she just said, will you please tell your church thank you for not forgetting about us? She meant that, and they were afraid of that. I assured her that we hadn't, and we will never forget about them. You and I, all of us together, get the chance to make sure that Diane and others who are on the street and on the edge know that they are cherished and treasured as much as Lillian, right? <laughs> we want them to know that they're just as treasured by us and by God. So here are five ways that you can give. And along that, you can also go onto our website to find a Saturday to serve. But these are the five ways that you can give, five ways that you can jump in with your compassion. Thank you for praying. Keep praying. Friends, let's continue to stand together.
we thank you that you are the way, you're the truth, you're the life. Lord, we thank you that you created in us a need for you, Lord. And so we ask that you would help us to fill that need with you and you only, nothing else, Lord. God, we give you our hearts again this morning, Lord. We just present them to you, Lord, and we ask that you would just help us to daily uh, submit and surrender um, to your will for our lives, Lord. We pray that you'd open our, our ears and our hearts, Lord, today to hear your word and that you would just help us to learn, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to do something sort of unusual. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes online as well as here in the room. If you would do this for me, close your eyes, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do next. Please, if you would, imagine yourself seeing the face of Jesus. Just close your eyes and let him appear. If you want, remember that he's an Eastern Mediterranean person in the first century you can think about the culture, the ethnicity, and all those kinds of things. But there, if you can, just in your mind's eye, a picture of Jesus. Everyone, online and here in the room. So go ahead and open them. How many of you, and you can just sneak your little hand up, how many of you had a Jesus who was smiling? <laughs> a smattering. Online, if you had a Jesus who was smiling, put a little smiley face or something up on the conversation board. <laughs> Notice what happened. Very few people thought of Jesus as smiling. And this is the challenge this morning. We're not getting it if we don't see a big, huge, wide, deep grin on his face. Because that's where Jesus lived. He lived in the midst of joy and happiness, and we're going to kick that around this morning, and we're going to find out how we can also take the steps that have us experience Jesus as a person who's full of joy and happiness, big smile on his face. Just to make the point, I'm going to drop in and out of a couple of verses. They're not going to come up on the wall. I'm just doing touch and goes here, just to show you that there's a lot of joy in and around Jesus in his life. We're going to begin with Luke's, just quickly, Luke's account of Jesus' birth. It starts in Luke's account of the birth narratives. I'm in chapter 1, beginning about verse 39. A few days later, Mary, that is Jesus' mother, hurried to the hill country to Judea, to a town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, Elizabeth is with child, leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now watch this. She gives a glad cry, Elizabeth does, and exclaims to Mary, you are blessed. That's a word about happiness and fulfillment and joy. By God, above all other women, Mary, your child, Mary is with child, your child is blessed. What an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. And when you came in and greeted me, my baby jumped for That's what happened. Okay, we're just, just a couple other Bible bullets here for you, really. So we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 2. You're familiar with this as Linus and the shepherds and all that kind of stuff. That night, some angels 
were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Jesus has a big, wide, deep grin on his face. That's what's going on with him. We keep going. I got more. Luke chapter 15, Jesus is a grown man telling a story. And it's a story about the character of God. And part of the message this morning is when we start to learn from Jesus about the character of God, which is joy, then Jesus is full of joy, and you and I are going to attach ourselves to a Jesus who's full of joy. Watch for the character of God. This is a, this is a story, a parable, an illustration. Jesus says it. If, if one of you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness. Now, none of you are shepherds, so you don't, you don't know anything about the animal husbandry here. Is it smart or not? So don't worry about that. Wouldn't you lead the 99 others and go and search for the lost one until you found it? And they, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes, you would. And then you would joyfully, joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. When you arrived, you would call together all your friends and neighbors to rejoice that, that with you because your lost sheep was found. In the same way, heaven, God, will be happier, joyful over one lost sheep that was found. It goes on and on. Just one last thing here. This is over in the Gospel of John. Jesus is talking at the end of his life. He's in the last week of his life, and he's talking about what he wants for his followers then and what he wants for you and for me. John chapter 15, verse 11. He's giving them all this instruction, all this love, all this teaching, and he says this as sort of a summary, one of the summary statements. I have told you all of this so that you, we, that you will be filled with my joy. Jesus wants us to be filled with his joy. And then he says, you, your joy will be complete or another image would be overflowing like a cup. That's what he wants for us. So the point here is just to get started. Jesus understands the character of God and Jesus is filled with joy. If you just were to start reading the Gospel of John, I mean, the Gospel of Luke, and you start reading through it. Here's an illustration of Jesus' joy. Here's what's going on in there. Jesus is either on his way to a meal, a feast with people to have fun, or he's at the meal, or he's coming home from the meal. <laughs> so if you read the Gospel of Luke, and you don't come away hungry, you ain't reading it right. <laughs> so here's a point that I want to make. God is the most joyful happy being in the universe. God is the most joyful, happy being in the universe. And I have up on the wall for you a part of what this magisterial Swiss theologian of the 20th century, Karl Barth, B-A-R-T-H, he said this. He said, God's tri... Let me read it exactly how I want to say it. God's triune... God's triune being is radiant. And the question is, what does the triune being of God radiate with? The answer is joy. 
So we get into the mystery of the Trinity, but we have Father, Son, and Spirit. Spirit, And there's this one, three persons, one being, kind of a mystery. And in God's eternal triune being, there's this celebration of fellowship. It's a perfect, robust, relational delight with one another. That's what's going on. And so here's what we do. We, in order to be shaped by God, we need to rightly understand God's character. And Jesus is the person that shows us to us, shows it to us, because he is God incarnate, and also because we watch how he lives. He's constantly smiling. Any of you have little kids? Jesus liked little kids. They were all over him. Jesus' henchmen were constantly knocking kids off of him. I'm I'm and Here's, here's what one scientist said. Children laugh 400 times a day. Adults, guess, 15. Grumpy. Who do you want? I think of Blippi. Who knows Blippi? All of you with little kids know Blippi. I wouldn't have known little Blippi, but I am the proud grandfather. So I sit and watch Blippi in cars and Paw Patrol and all that kind of stuff. But Blippi, it's a, middle, it's a young man, 30-something years old. He's laughing 400 times every 10 minutes. <laughs> Jesus. That's where he is. Don't stop them from bringing the children to me, he says. Another way of saying this is, how God made us. And this text comes up from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a part of what we call the Old Testament. God set eternity in the human heart. And eternity is this robust relational delight in one another that we're invited to enjoy. We're invited to step into a relationship with God that's filled with joy. God my friends, is happy. God is happy. Now, you're saying to me, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're thinking about Jesus and we're thinking about his passion in the pain and in the garden before he's executed and he's anxious and he's hurting and he's sweating what looks like drops of blood. And yes, See, it's not that there wasn't hard stuff and good stuff, but somehow Jesus is able to be joy-filled even though these circumstances are difficult. So here's what I think God wants you and me to be, persons of maturity. And what that means is we recognize that God is good and God is joyful and God is about happiness. And, and we ache for happiness. All of us do. That's what we want in life. We want to be happy. And God wants us to be happy, and God wants us to be joyful. And yet there's this hard part of things. And Jesus, however, man, maturity, maturity in God is to say, yeah, it's really hard over here, but wow, this is great. It's sort of like you and me. I, I, I have described it this way. It's like railroad tracks. They're running parallel to each other. And some stuff is really going well. Like I, I w wake up this morning, I got some stuff really bothering me. But I got some other stuff over here It's awesome. Life is awesome, life is great, and, and you may know somebody who's over here, and there just doesn't seem to be much else. It might be you right now, and what we're saying is that when we begin to know who God is, because we learn who God is through Jesus, the next thing you know, we're, we find ourselves living in a place of joy, which is to say, somehow, 
we have this eternity that's set in us, and we see the difficult things as temporary, but our ongoing, everlasting, robust experience of the relationship with God, that lasts forever. That's what Jesus was able to show us. Because, remember, he had a bright and proper and clear and accurate understanding of who God was. And so he laughs, and he's happy. And if you have a picture of him that isn't happy, if he's grumpy, if you think God is angry, if you think God is on edge, if you think God is gloomy, why would you want to spend any time with him? <laughs> but that's not who God is. God is this joyful being who radiates that within the Godhead and out to us in the person of Jesus. If that's who God is, who wouldn't want to wake up in the morning and spend time with him? So all of this over here is just a way of saying, this is a trellis. It's a way of living. These are the ways of Jesus. And what we've been saying is, it, the point is not to get good at journaling, like somebody's going to come give you a grade. The point is to find yourself in the presence of the almighty God who radiates joy and love. That's the point. The point of the trellis literally is yes, to grow grapes, but guess what the real outcome is really supposed to meant to be? A good glass of wine. Not just a glass of wine, a good glass of wine. So all of this, which we've been working on, we got one more week. Can't wait. Next week, by the way, teaser. Remember this stuff about food and meals and everything? Celebrate. Next week we're celebrating is what I'm saying. I want you to realize that perhaps you're not thinking rightly about who God is. And maybe that's one of the reasons that you hesitate, one of the reasons that you may stay, keep your distance. Another point that I want to make this morning, that it's this. The point is, is that God, the good news, the gospel, you ready? Good news, euangelion, or we translate into English gospel, the great glad tidings that I read about in Luke. Here it is. This joy is available to every one of us, to you and to me, to all of us, right now. There is nobody who can't enjoy it. Every single person is available to enjoy the presence of God and God's love in the Trinity that we know. Anybody can have this. And let's stop and talk for a minute just quickly to define joy. A pervasive sense of of well-being, illustrated by maturity in the sense of being able to see eternity and the present and be able to hold them both at the same time, the railroad tracks, a pervasive sense of well-being. And here's the trick. You can't get it, that is joy, by going directly at it. It doesn't work that way. If you go directly at joy, you'll not get there. You and I must pursue something transcendent or someone transcendent. And joy is, follow me, a byproduct. We all want happiness, but just chase it and see what happens. Doesn't happen. You chase something or someone that's transcendent, you'll begin to have this deep sense of well-being. Just a quick illustration that I saw last night on NBC News. An American man said he was single, had no children, was trying to get himself back over. He's an American. He wanted to go to Ukraine to fight. Dangerous. He's, they won't let him. 
but he's working his way through it. Here's someone who's willing to die for this transcendence. And just watching his face, he was calm. Who knows what happens when things start flying by his head. But I thought that was a powerful illustration of someone pursuing well-being, not because well-being for its own sake, but because the transcendence of this fight for freedom. And just, by the way, these great Ukrainian people are 1776 to me. I won't all in on them. I wish I could go. But this man shows what I'm talking about. We pursue, we're going to pursue a person, Jesus Christ. We're going to come into his presence. We're going to enjoy a robust connection to him. And in so doing, we will experience the byproduct, which is a sense of peace. That's the, number, the third point. Jesus' vision for you and for me is to grow into a mature and deeply joyful person. That's what he wants for us. And here's how it works. But deeply mature and joyful means you're becoming a person of love. It's Jesus' love. And then when you love like Jesus' love, look what happens. Then we start to, to have relationships that are different because we're thinking about them. Not, not to get something, but we're out trying to we're get blessed in order to be a blessing. We go deep with Jesus, and then we have something to offer to people in our world and our relationships. That's what he wants for us. Jesus' vision really is for you and me to become like him. Perhaps you remember the fruits of the Spirit. Paul writes about them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's who Jesus wants us to be. People who are deeply good. Not because we pursue good to be good, but because we pursue him. And we're in his presence and he transforms us into persons of love. And people, you can't be a person of love if you're not joyful. You just can't do it. And so that's why we want to stay close to him. We want to be a person of love. We want to be people. I'm, it's not about being a happy person. It's not, it's not about, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not about feeling happy. It's about being a happy person, well-being. But there, here's, here's the trick that's coming this morning. I baited you and switched you. You ready? There's pre-work. There's pre-work to being a, a person who is a person of joy. And the pre-work is this. Jesus gives it to us this way. You ready? Here it goes. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Here's the pre-work. Repent and believe the good news. The first step towards joy is to repent and to believe. So I, I brought them in in Greek. Let's take a quick peek at that. Here they come. The next slide should have some Greek. There you go. Repent. Metanoete. It's a second, it's a plural co command. Repent. And it means today, it's going to mean rethink. I'll come back to that. The second one is believe. Episteute. It means believe, but I'm going to ask you to think about that as trust. So let me say something about rethink or repent and believe, trust. The reason I want to say repent means rethink is the metanaeo verb means meta change and naeo your mind. So you and I have begun buying lies about what will make us happy. And what we're being asked to do is to submit what we think about what will make us happy, what will make us joyful, submit them to the analysis that Jesus wants to offer, and 
That means we think differently. Let shame go away. Forget shame. Shame is a lie. Shame says, I feel bad about myself. Rethinking says, I may feel bad about something I did. Shame, that's good. When you, when you did something and it wasn't good, then you say, I'm sorry I did it. Shame is, I feel bad about who I am. And you know what you are? You're a child of God, loved by God, and available to all of us is this encounter of the Almighty God in this robust fellowship of love and joy. God radiating love and joy. So rethinking and connect it now to believe. In, in the Bible, believe meant something more than what you and I might think today. Believe today might mean assent, A-S-S-E-N-T, to some kind of idea or doctrine, like 2 plus 2 equals 4. I believe that. That has nothing to do with how I live my life. B- trust is how I believe in the Bible. The word, the word pisteuo means to believe with the sense of trust and put trust this way, putting the full weight leaning the full weight of my life on somebody or something. That's what it means to believe. Now, notice what I did here. In order to change positions, I've got to reset my weight. Leaning the full weight of your life on Jesus, trusting him. So we rethink how we have decided what's good and isn't by leaning into a full-weighted relationship on Jesus Christ. That's what we'll be asking to do in order to have joy. Why? Because, and, and by the way, Jesus called this idea of us not believing and not trusting, not rethinking, you know what he called it? Sin. That's what he called it. So he'd say it's sin to think you know what's best for yourself. And it's sin to lean, everybody leans on something that you don't not trust, you trust. The question is, who or what do we trust? We all trust. On whom or on what have I leaned the weight of my life? That's what Jesus is asking us to consider. Jesus is saying, you think that X, Y, Z will be good for you. And here's, here's the truth. This sin problem that we have, and everyone has it, sabotages joy. Why? Because it disconnects us from the source of joy, who is the triune God of the universe, who's robust, who radiates joy. And when we say, I think I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to lean on that, whatever it is that you're leaning on, it could be a Twitter feed. It could be the political parties, whatever it is. It could be your own inner self of what you think, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And when we say to ourselves, No, I'm not going to do that. I'll define sin for you. A couple of definitions you've never heard before, I would guess. Sin is to believe a lie about what will make me happy. Another way of saying it is unwillingness to trust that what God wants for us is our greatest happiness. Believing a lie about what will make you happy or unwilling to trust that God has our best happiness in mind. Let me give you the, the most popular examples. In the Bible, the number one thing that we get lied about, that we lie about, is money, material things. We think that if we get it, we'll be happy, and we put our trust, both feet, on it. There's some other really, by the way, sin, it wouldn't be so popular if it wasn't fun. (laughs) But here's what happens. When we think we know, and we lean on what we think we, we know is best, At first, it's fun. 
then our mouths get sort of dusty and dry. And then we regret. And then we say, God, I can't believe I screwed that up. And then we might say, I don't even believe there's a God anyway. That's what happens. Money might be one of the popular ones. Material things. Jesus used the term mammon, and he meant, he meant money and material possessions. There's some others. Uh, they're not ranked. That's clearly the, the one that gets the most mentioned in Scripture. It seems to be the one that we're most tempted to believe. And, and notice, by the way, just one other thing about any lie. Can money ever deliver on its promise? Can it make us happy? And the answer turns out being no. Now, I'm, I, it, the answer is no. Not if with deep sense of well-being, no. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can give. And then you know what God does? He transforms the way we use all of this stuff. He makes us into persons of love who use all that we have in order to love people well. This is not saying we shouldn't want stuff. It's saying we want it out of a relationship with Jesus so it can be a part of our well-being and a part of us making other people's lives well-being. It's why it's so poignant to have Kathy talking about Matthew 25. You know how right it is that we are sensitive and care for people that don't have much. It's just we don't even have to talk about it. It's just so everybody went, ah, ooh, when Kathy was talking about that woman who knew that we hadn't forgotten her. You don't want to be cut off from communion with God, and neither do I. You don't want to believe a lie. We believe the lie because we think it's going to make us happy. The other one I was going to mention is just sensual pleasure. So oftentimes we think the sensual pleasure, but we've, we've confused it with happiness. Whatever your sensual pleasure of choice, fill out the blanks. <laughs> I don't know what yours are. I know what mine are. No, we don't want to go that way. Given that we all trust somebody in something, friends, here's what we're being invited to do this morning. We're being invited to ask the question, pre-work, in whom or in what do I trust? In whom or in what do you trust? This is a real question for right now. Maybe what I'm going to invite you to do is to spend a little time alone and ask yourself the question, where is the blockage? Where's the blockage between me and the radiating joy of Jesus Christ? What's stopping me? What's in the way? Here's the stunning shock, friends. The journey to joy starts in an unlikely place. It starts with repentance. I'll say it again. The journey to joy starts in an unlikely place. It starts with repentance. And here we have a reminder of it. If you're online, you can get your beverage and your things ready. Here we have, each of you has one of these, just housekeeping quickly. There's a wafer on one side. You can pick it up. Don't open it yet. There's grape juice on the other side. Let me just remind you. 
when we celebrate what we call Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, whatever name that you're accustomed here on the wall, it says Lord's Supper. When we celebrate this, this is what we're saying. We're saying, I'm all in. I don't mean to be dramatic here. Don't open this and do it today because you're making a covenant. The covenant is no matter where you are, if you're a deeply, deeply committed follower of Jesus or if you're brand new, not even sure, here's what you're doing. When you open this up and eat it, you're saying, metanao, I am going to rethink. I'm going to repent. I'm going to say, okay, I may have been believing lies. I'm now going to listen carefully to you, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read your book and I'm going to figure out what the right way is. That's what you're saying. And when you flip this thing over and you drink the, the grape juice, you're saying, I'm putting the full weight of my life on my relationship with you. That's what this means. We're sharing in his gift of his life so that we can have new life. Becoming a person of love. Becoming a person with Jesus' love. That's the meaning of this. So I invite all of us now to open together the part with the wafer. Friends, this is the body of Jesus. Rethink your life. Turning it over, a little cup of juice. This juice is the blood of Jesus shed for you and for me. When you drink it, friends, you're saying this. You're saying, I will put the whole, whole weight of my life on you. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, we didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming that you just have this big grin on your face. That you're not gloomy, you're not angry, you're not on edge. In fact, you're laughing with warmth and your arms are wide open. And the other thing we didn't see coming is that the way we get to you is to say, oh no, I've been believing lies. Oh no, I've been leaning on and trusting someone other than you. I've been trusting myself. And so we release, we enter the covenant, we enter the relationship with you. We're going to rethink everything on the basis of how you instruct us. We're going to put the full weight of our lives into this relationship with you. Make us into people more like you so that we can love and serve with radiating joy like you, the eternal God of the universe. Gracious God, help us to find our hearts placed in eternity so that the good and the not-so-good of everyday life become ways that we show forth who you are and we live as people who live in joy and well-being. All of this in the name of Jesus who rescued us. Amen. Friends, let me invite you to stand. we got a little outro here, and we're just going to finish up.